Hey friends, welcome to episode 160 of the Fierce Calling Podcast. I'm your host, Doris Swift. Thank you so much for stopping by. And today we are talking with Rhonda Stabi. She is a phenomenal author, speaker, mentor, and pastor's wife and other hats that she wears. She's going to open up about the power of truth and transformation in mentoring relationships. And she has a heart for women to live no regret lives. You're going to want to hear more about that. She's going to share her experiences and insights with us. She also wrote several books, one of which is Raising Sons to Be Men. And it is a 10, I think a 10 year anniversary. They redid the book. So it's really cool. And I also loved how our chat segued into a conversation about the role of the pastor's wife and what that looks like and why our expectations of that might need a reality check. And maybe you are a pastor's wife and maybe you are a pastor. So I would love if you would stay tuned and listen to what Rhonda shares because that's toward the end of the show, but it's going to help all of us better support uh, our church body and our leadership. And don't forget friends to check out doraswift.com and my new Bible study, Surrender the Joy Stealer rediscover the Jesus joy in you available now so go to my website and check that out it's great for individual and group study and don't miss this episode stay tuned while I talk with Rhonda Stoppy she's going to encourage inspire and challenge you Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. Welcome back to the show. Today, I am so excited to introduce to you my friend, Rhonda Stoppy. She helps women build no regret lives. Now, who doesn't need that? With over 30 years experience as a pastor's wife, Bible teacher, mom, coach, and marriage mentor, Rhonda is a Christian speaker and the best-selling author of seven books, including what we're going to be talking about today, Moms Raising Sons to Be Men, but she's also written these other amazing books, The Marriage Mentor, Real Life Romance, so she's uh, been on, on shows and podcasts talking about these very important messages for the family, family unit. The uh, enemy is really attacking families these days. Rhonda, thank you. Welcome to the show. It's so great to have you on. I am so excited that we finally connected. Me too. I know this is going to be great. So I would love if you would share a little bit about your story with our listeners today and how you're taking action where your passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. Wow. So my story... (laughs) Um, I have been married for almost 42 years, married my high school sweetheart, love of my life. And uh, he's a pastor. I didn't marry a pastor. I married someone in construction and we made really good money. And then as we, you know, did bivocational, worked with youth ministry, all the things, uh, the Lord eventually called him into full-time ministry. I always knew that we were headed there. Mm But uh, that's, that was, uh, he's been at the same church now as a senior pastor for 23 years. We had planted a church in Austin, Texas prior to that. Uh, and so we, he'd just been in ministry for a super long time. We have four adult children, all married happily, following the Lord, 15 grandchildren, which is my claim to fame. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it makes me so happy. 
And, you know, my, my passion is to help women break free from regrets that hold them back and help them build no regrets lives. And in the number of years that we have been in ministry, which is a long time, you watch people make decisions and build their life either on a foundation like Jesus parable, you either build it on the rock or you build it on the sand. And it's super tempting to build it on the sand, on the beach, that romantic little shack, and it's going to be amazing. And our marriage and our children and everything's going to last forever. And we're going to live happily ever after. And then the storms come Mm -hmm. and the shack falls. Mm -hmm. But for those that have built their lives, their marriage, their parenting on a foundation of a relationship with Jesus Christ, even when the storms come and they will. The, the storms will not destroy you. And uh, I also minister to women who want to break free from regrets that hold them back. A lot of them knew better and built on that sand. And then when life came crashing down, they feel stuck. They feel like, you know, God can't use me because I did X, Y, Z, or if anybody ever knew this about me, all those things. So in the years that I have ministered to women, that has been my, my sweet spot. That's my trademark. That's my brand is no regrets woman. My website, no regrets because I'm passionate to help women build no regrets lives and guide their children towards a life without regrets. Mm. Wow. That is so powerful. I love how you were talking about how we hear and we, we probably sang that song in Sunday school or taught it to the kids in Sunday school about, you know, the wise man builds his house upon the rock, you know, cause the, the foolish man builds his house upon the sand or woman, um, as we're talking to, uh, an audience of primarily women. But when you think about it, you know, cause when you mentioned that thing about building your home on the beach, cause you think about the beach as being a, a, a wonderful place and a place to rest and have fun and, and all of that. But yeah, the foundation is not going to hold you when the water washes in. So I love that you had put that out. You know, it's so important about the foundation. And so, and it's kind of cool too, that you didn't start out like marrying into being a pastor's wife. That kind of came. Yeah, I kind of got tricked. Yeah. <laughs> God has such a sense of humor, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. But that he does. that's pretty cool though, to come out of that kind of a, a business world and then into the ministry. But you and I have such similar hearts toward women to minister to them because so many feel stuck because of where they've been, what they've done or what's been done to them, you know, and they can't move forward where they feel like God cannot use them. So, um, in, and in your book, you encourage families about raising boys. That is so important for us to be healthy disciples because we're really discipling our kids too, right? So, So tell us more about how this book came about and how you encourage moms in this journey. Moms Raising Sons to Be Men is actually a 10-year anniversary edition. It came out in March 2023 because it was a bestseller. Mm -hmm. And my uh, publisher, Harvest House, came back and said, we need to republish this book and update it because the culture has changed so much Mm -hmm. in the last decade. Moms are desperate for mentors. And I remember when I was the mom and the wife, I didn't want to be, but I didn't know how to change. I came from a long line of broken marriages and my family, uh, my parents were both teenagers when I was, um, and I was their second child. So, you know, my dad came to Christ when I was four and it definitely changed the trajectory of our family. And my dad just was transformed truly by the gospel, but got married. And all of a sudden I was following the same habits that I had seen played out in the marriages that I had been raised with. And I knew I wasn't the wife or the mom that I had hoped I would be. Mm -hmm. 
So we were bivocational volunteer looking at youth ministry. I looked at the parents of some of our teens and their marriages Mm -hmm. and the kids who still wanted to be with their parents, the ones whose marriages reflected a genuine love for each other. And the kid's house was always the house all the kids wanted to hang out at. And I was like, I got to know what they know. And Titus 2 instructs the older woman to teach the younger how to love their husband. That means be a friend to him and how to love their children. So I knew that that was the key. That was God's journey woman program for this apprentice. And, you know, I always say hashtag old ladies know stuff. In fact, that's the name of my podcast, <laughs> old ladies know stuff, mm-hmm. because God said, that's where you're going to go to find the help that you need. And that's what I did. So really moms raising sons to be men is that help. It's the, the older mentor who has walked the path ahead of you. It's moms in the Bible, picking up some things that you may not have noticed or thought of if, of some of these moms in scripture. Mm-hmm. And it's really, the goal is to help you guide your son toward his purpose and passion. Uh, without regrets and learning from my mistakes, from my successes, from my failures. I teach more passionately from my failures than I do from my successes Mm. and just walking through what I think moms today are looking for mentors. I know they are because the book, it just immediately went to number one, new release and number three bestseller when it came out again, Mm -hmm. it is definitely a resource that moms are looking for. And it's a scary time to raise a son, to be a man, but to that which God has called us, he will equip us. And this is a resource to help you get there. Yeah, I love that so much. And I thank you for mentioning your podcast because I should have said that when we introduced you because it's so cool. I love the name of it. Um, (laughs) Because, you know, I'm an old lady. And I know stuff, <laughs> so I can relate. We do. Yeah, so this is good. And sometimes we know more stuff than we think we know because over the years we've learned a lot of things and we we seem to forget that there's people that don't maybe know or have experienced what we have and that we have something to offer someone. So I'm so thankful that you brought up the mentorship because there are moms out there struggling. And probably similarly to you, maybe they just never had been taught the godly way of living a life as in whatever role that they're in, because they just didn't have a role model for that. So you really broken a generation of, you know, a cycle that could have continued, but you knew that there was something else that was missing there. So that's cool. And, and you didn't venture out to mentor others until you yourself were mentored. So I think that's important too. And we can all like do that. (laughs) And I think wherever we find ourselves, there's always someone younger. Mm -hmm. So while I was being mentored by these older women on marriage and parenting, I was mentoring their teenage children, their teenage daughters on, you know, trusting Christ with your love story. You know, my book, Real Life Romance, it's all about, uh, you know, rekindling romance in your marriage, but it's just a collection of love stories that celebrates God's providence in knitting the hearts and lives together of people for his kingdom purpose. So yeah, you're, you're being mentored on one end and you're mentoring on the other. And that's really the way that God expects us to live. Not, you know, I love fierce calling is your podcast. Our fierce calling is to know that God has saved us unto good works that he ordained in advance, that we should walk in them and then walk in them. That takes a fierce courage to say yes Lord, I don't know what you're calling me to. And I'm kind of scared. In fact, I'm really scared, (laughs) but I know that you know me better than I know myself. And I know that your plans for me are better than anything I could plan myself. 
my eyes are on you and I'm going to walk in obedience. If you give me the courage, if you give me the uh, insight and discernment and send others my way to help me chart that path ahead and be my rear guard, it's a fierce calling to which we are all called. It's not just for some, but only some pick up the baton and run that race. Right. Yeah. That is so true. And that is so encouraging too. And it just reminded me of something that you had said earlier that, um, you know, to step out and do it, you know, like step out because sometimes we have to do things afraid, but know that God's going to equip us along the way. And, you know, I think that's really powerful and encouraging to someone that's listening today, because another thing that you said earlier was, and a reason why that your book resonates with so many moms and not necessarily have to be a mom because your ministry is also to women to not walk in regret, um, but to know how to do it. Because sometimes, you know, even when you go to church or you're, you're part of a group and people mean well, and mentors might mean well, but they don't show how, you know, it's like, okay, well, that sounds good, but how do I do that? You know, what does that look like? So how do you encourage women in that Rhonda? Well, that's one of the reasons that I write the books that I write at the end of each chapter. It has a thinking it through and living it out section asks you some questions, what you've learned from the chapter. And I've mentored a lot of women over the years. And uh, honestly, you can burn yourself out trying to fix people's lives. I'm a fixer. Let me, how can I fix this for you? How can I make your life easier? That's not what God calls a mentor to do. He calls us to give them truth and to help their mind be transformed by truth and what I do is usually we'll give them an assignment. I'll meet with you for coffee on this day. I want you to read the chapter of this book, and then we'll talk about what we have read together. Uh, just a little side note, I have a Moms Raising Sons book club Facebook group where I'm walking through the chapters of Moms Raising Son. We just finished chapter one. It's the first Tuesday of every month, so we're getting ready to do the second one. But if I meet with someone and they've not read the chapter and all they want to do is vent to me how hard their marriage is or how disobedient their children are. Mm -hmm. I go back and say, you know what? Let's meet next week after you've read the chapter. Yeah. Because if they're not serious about taking resources in, transforming their mind with truth, mm -hmm. scripture is all through throughout not only my book, but so many excellent resources that we can walk people through. Mm -hmm. If they're not willing to do that, they're not willing to do the hard work to make the change. And then you're just going to burn yourself out or become the person that they just vent to week after week. And it's going to drain you. It's not going to do them any good. And it's certainly not going to do you any good either. Mm, yeah. Such a good word there, because it is true. If you give people actionable steps that they can actually take, not things that are astronomically ridiculous to ask them to do. I mean, reading a chapter of a book, but like you said, they have to have some skin in the game too, or they're not going to be able to move forward. They're going to stay stuck. And then if you aren't like with the tough love, they're just going to stay stuck. And that's not the purpose of, of the mentorship because misery loves company. People like to just vent and be able to talk about things that are bothering them. But if they continue to just rehash things and rehash things, things won't change unless they make a change, right? Transformation. And they'll just vent to be validated in the, in their sin. Like mm -hmm. I resent my husband because of X, Y, Z. I'm right in doing that. Correct. You see how bad he is, or my child is causing me all kinds of anxiety. And so I'm walking around anxious and angry and you understand it's not my fault. It's my child's fault. Mm -hmm. And we, they just want affirmation. So they don't have to change. So mm -hmm. I have a fun story. <laughs> uh, we live on a ranch in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. 
and literally 45 minutes from the nearest town. And we raise puppies and peacocks and pigs and pears and people. We raise lots of people because we have 15 grandkids. <laughs> and so we had some baby peacocks that were born. And just a side note, we have peacocks because they kill rattlesnakes. That's why we got peacocks in the first place. So Priscilla, our female peacock, our male's name is Elvis, had her babies in a back of a, of an old pickup truck on the, on the ranch. And so my husband took all the babies and he put them in a, a pen with the mom so that nothing would kill them because we've been, we've been having them get killed when they're little. Mm -hmm. And so they got to an age just last week where they started flying up and out this one little area. And so I was in the house doing something and I looked and I saw the bushes shaking out in front of the house. And I went out to see what it was. And one of the cats had a baby peacock and it was dead. And so I, Steve wasn't home. So I went over to, oh, and I picked up the baby peacock with a shovel and I walked over and the mom will make this honking sound when her child dies. It's awful. So she was honking and I was holding this baby and I'm like, it's right here. I'm so sorry it died. Mm -hmm. And I put it up high so the dogs wouldn't get to it. So Steve could deal with it when he got home. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, okay, I have to help her because these other baby peacocks are going to get out. And she can't get out to defend them because we had her locked in there with them. And I didn't have a way to enclose that upper part. I had to wait for Steve to get home only a couple hours, but I'm like, something might happen. So I saw a dog kennel that I had to get way back in the barn, get spider webs in my hair to get to it, had to shove it through the opening of this thing. And she's watching me the whole time. And then I go get some chicken feed and I feed her in a bowl so that I can get her babies out from under the shadow of her wings because she's trying to protect them. And I take the shovel and I'm trying to nudge the babies into the kennel. And I had closed the door so she wouldn't get out. And she kept looking at me and kind of coming at me. And, and I'm like, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help protect your children. Just trust me. This is best for them until Steve gets home. I'm like literally talking to Priscilla <laughs> and she's like, no. And then all of a sudden I realized she's going to come at me and I've seen peacocks go crazy before. Mm -hmm. And it's like talons and beaks everywhere. And I'm in, locked in this little room and I'm like, she's going to shred my face with her talons and her beak. And I've got an interview coming up. It was a couple of days later, I was going to focus on the family for a video interview. I was like, what are you doing? So I, I walked out and I left her in there with her babies. Sadly, they both got out. And by the time Steve got home, they were dead. So all that, what do I, why do I tell that story? Because it reminds me of moms that you're saying, if you keep on this path, your kids are going to follow what you're doing. If you keep pursuing the things of this world, your kids are going to pursue the things of this world. Let me help you with your children. Bring them to youth group. Be at church every Sunday. Raise them in the nurture admonition of the Lord. And the mom is looking at you like a threat. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I can help you keep your kids from following the path that your family has walked, you know, whether it's drug abuse or whether it's, you know, all the things. Once in a while, a mom will let you help, but so often they listen and they say, okay, and they don't let you help. And it's the hardest thing to walk away and leave it in the Lord's hands to hopefully rescue that child from the path that you see them walking down. Long story to say, yeah. don't be like my peacock. Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, we're going to remember that for sure. And I did not know that about peacocks and rattlesnakes. Um, so that's fascinating, but you know, that is an illustration we can all remember and take away something from. And just thinking about it, because oftentimes we do want the other person in our relationships fixed. We don't examine our own issues that are going on in our heart, you know, our own heart issues that are happening. And, you know, that God can bring transformation in us and then things can 
change in our circumstances. So it, you know, it's great that you have that heart to give that strong mentorship and wise counsel, because that's what people need. They don't need to just be affirmed by someone who's just going to agree with everything they say. (laughs) You know, people agree with everything, you know. And and that's what we do. We surround ourselves with people who say, oh, man, you got it rough, girlfriend. I wouldn't put up with that. Instead of inviting people into our lives that speak truth to us. I mean, having the courage, first of all, to pray, Mm -hmm. search me, oh God, and know my heart. Mm -hmm. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. Let it begin with you. If you want to see God do a work in your family, let it begin with you. Stop asking him to change everyone around you. Ask him to change you. Ask him to transform you by truth. These women that I had reached out to invited me to a Bible study. And I'm like, girls, I don't need another Bible study. I just want to be a better wife and a mom. And they said, just come. And it was a precept study. It was five hours of homework a week. I was like, I don't have time for that. And it was the book of Philippians. But they also said, if you come and you don't do your homework, you can't talk. So I'm thinking three hours of homework. I mean, three hours of of adult time with free babysitting. I'm going to do my homework because I'm going to talk. And I, they tricked me because Mm -hmm. the word of God is quick and powerful and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. Mm -hmm. And it divides asunder your own thoughts. The, your own intentions of your own heart, you will never see yourself more clearly than through the lens of scripture. And if you devote yourself to washing your mind with the water of the word, asking your God, as you, as you sit down, search me, ask God, open my eyes that I might see wondrous things from your law. God reveal to me, my own heart. What do you want to change in me? How can I apply this to my own marriage and parenting and friendships and relationships and my relationship with the Lord? But it's something that it takes courage to do it because we really don't want to peel back our motives. We really don't want to look at the reason why I'm so angry when my child disobeys. Well, the reason you're so angry is because your idol is respect of others. Your idol is to be thought well of by others. And if your child is disobeying in front of others, now it's not about God's glory. It's about your own glory. Mm -hmm. And so when you trigger and you get angry, you can know your motive is wrong. You're sinning to get something. Yeah, they should obey. Yes, they should do what's right. But when you, when you sin to get it, you can know that it's become an idol in your life. So are you willing to set that at the foot of the cross and say, Lord, I, I know that it's right for my child to respond this way, but I also know that I'm so angry when they don't. So I know there's something in my motivation that needs to be changed. Lord, show me what that is so that I can repent and get victory over it. Wow. That is going to really encourage someone listening today and to actually encourage them to step out and take that action and ask for help from the Lord. Because oftentimes we go all different other places for our help. But then the word says, where does our help come from? Our help comes from the Lord. And we're, we're searching all over everywhere else or, or thinking that, like you said, you know, different people that we surround ourselves that are just going to affirm us in our sin, basically, or in, you know, in the behaviors that we're taking. And so it is, it is hard. Like you said, it takes courage to peel back the layers and really come to terms with what's happening so that we can surrender it all and just, you know, start walking free of it. And so I love that you help women to walk free of their regrets and what's happened and maybe something that they've done 
as well as what maybe has been done to them. But, but yeah, sometimes we, we don't make great decisions. Do we Rhonda? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, right. So. And I think of um, David and Bathsheba's story, mm-hmm. you know, uh, David sinned with Bathsheba, but Bathsheba came willingly. He sent for her. He didn't rape her. Mm-hmm. She was a married woman and she was what flattered maybe, but mm-hmm. she wasn't deceived when she had sex with David. She chose to commit adultery. Mm-hmm. And when, you know, the whole story, David ends up having Uriah murdered and she moves into David's house as his wife and they grieve and all the things that go on. She knew her sin Mm -hmm. and the Bible says they hid their sin. It was about a year of them pretending to be the godly king and this new queen that they pretended everything was okay until Nathan, the prophet came and said to David, you are the man man, I want people in my life to come to me and say, you are the woman. Because what did David do? He didn't put Nathan to death or imprison him or get angry with him. He broke, he repented. It was like, he was just waiting for someone to point the finger at him so that he could stop this charade. He was a godly man. And he talks about in the Psalms, how the bones that you crushed within me in, in during his time of hiding his sin, God didn't leave him alone. Even though he pretended outside to be okay, he was crushed with conviction. Mm -hmm. And then when he finally repented, he said, and now I can teach sinners your way. Now I can worship you from a, from a pure heart. And then the Bible says he went into Bathsheba and he had sex with her and she conceived Solomon, the next king after David, the very greatest king that ever lived. David had a lot of wives. That's a whole nother story. But God chose that wife, the wife of his shame, the wife of her in her own shame to give her the child who would be the next King. And I believe it's to show that when God forgives, he forgives to the utmost, whatever shame you have in your past, whatever choice you have made, whatever thing you have done that you think God could never forgive you. Oh, he forgives as far as East is from the West. He takes our sins away from us though. Your sins were as scarlet. He washes them whiter than snow. And from where you repent, God will use you greatly to teach sinners his way to worship from a pure heart and really to offer hope to someone else who Satan is pointing that bony finger in their face saying, God can never use you because of this thing you did in your past, this shameful sin, this shameful thing that was done to you. And we have to understand God shows us in scripture for a reason to show us he can be trusted and we, he will use any vessel that is broken and willing to be used by him from a, from a place of repentance and a pure heart. Wow. That is so beautiful. And how it's just, it's these examples in scripture because God didn't hide all the ugly stuff, you know, the good, bad, and the ugly are all there. You know, he didn't try to sugarcoat anything or just tell us, you know, oh, so-and-so was a righteous woman, you know, and, but there's so many things in there that just takeaways from a, a standpoint of the biblical worldview that we can look at and help us in this world today that, I mean, I know the world's always been crazy, but it just seems like now so many things are breaking loose and it's just so obviously the enemy, you know, just wanting to destroy identity, steal identity and steal, you know, the family unit and divide people, you know? And so, so I love how you shared that story and brought that up about David and Bathsheba, because that is really powerful. And um, yeah, so, so that's the thing. It's like just to, 
to seek God with our whole heart. And when you were talking about idols earlier, yeah, we don't have a golden calf in our backyard. I mean, nobody has one of those, but idols are sneaky, aren't they? Yeah, mm-hmm. they can just... They certainly are. They And we don't even realize it. And sometimes it can be our own pride. Like we might not think of ourselves as prideful. I know I, ha- I had dealt with that. And I've written about that too, because, you know, I never thought of myself as a prideful person. You know, somebody that walks around like a peacock, right? Of course, it's the male peacock that's, you know, got all the pretty feathers, but you know what I mean. But um, proud as a peacock, wherever that came from. So, uh, but you know, oftentimes when we really examine ourselves and like ask the Lord to reveal stuff, he reveals like, oh, you know what? Mm, Yeah, I think that prideful there. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. cannot. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So sometimes when we get bumped, what spills out of us reveals our heart. Mm. So, you know, people, if you're watching church online and you have not re-engaged and gone back to church after the pandemic, it's time. Mm. The Bible says to forsake, not the assembling of yourselves together as such as the habit of some and all the more as we see the day approaching. And in case you haven't noticed the day is approaching, Yes, but they say 25% of people have not returned to church after the pandemic. They watch it online. Mm-hmm. They're consumers. Yeah. They're taking it in, but they're not serving. They're not living among people, iron sharpening iron. What happens when iron sharpens iron sparks fly? And when you get bumped, that's when God can reveal to you your sin, the fear, the anxiety, the pride. When we're living our life in our own little bubble, we think we're okay. I'm good. I'm not, I don't get mad at anybody. I don't get my feelings hurt. I mean, Psalm 119, 165 says, great peace have they that love thy law and nothing shall offend them. So if I'm un- if I'm offendable, I have to know I'm not spending enough time loving God through his word, but I won't be revealed unless I'm living within community with others, working side by side with others. And then God gets to reveal to us the thoughts and intents of our own heart. So he can continue working on us to make us more and more the image of his son for his kingdom and his glory and his purpose in our life. Mm. Yeah. What a great reminder that you're speaking to someone out there right now who may have not ventured back into the assembly. And people will say oftentimes, well, I don't need to go to church to be saved. Well, no, you don't, but we have to go there. You know, we're, we're the gods, we're God's army. You know, we have to, we have to assemble with each other and you know, the world's a hard place. And so we need to encourage one another and lift each other up. Like it says, you know, first Thessalonians five eleven. It's one of my favorite scriptures because it is, a powerful thing that we're called to do. And so as a pastor's wife too, your heart is you and your husband are shepherding these people. And so how has it been for you to walk in the shoes of a pastor's wife? I know sometimes we could say pastor's wife, you know, and it's kind of like labeling or something, (laughs) but, but what is your definition of, of a pastor's wife or how you live that out? Well, I have an ebook out and it's called, I sleep with the pastor. And so (laughs) whenever you go to a new church, they're like, what, what do you do? Do you sing in the choir? Do you work in the nursery? I worked in the nursery once and a little boy broke his leg. Steve's like, stay out of the nursery woman. (laughs) Like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But really my ministry is to the minister. Mm -hmm. I, I am the only person in the entire congregation 
that can minister to the minister in the way that God's called me to as a pastor's wife. I, I love that people know I'm the pastor's wife. I don't feel labeled at all. It's a high calling to be entrusted to be the one that the shepherd of the flock comes to for encouragement that comes to with his prayers, with his tears. So, you know, if you're, if your pastor's wife, whatever her thing is, mm -hmm. whatever she's doing in the, in the church, know that her priority ministry is to be the minister to your minister. And that to me lets all other things like go by the wayside. I wrote an article for focus on the family uh, recently during, it was during pastor appreciation. How can you appreciate your pastor and his family or something, or how can you uplift his marriage or something like that? And I told a story about how Steve has asked me to work in the nursery, not to work in the nursery on Sundays. He wants me sitting in the front row at church, uh, encouraging him. He knows I'm praying for him while he's preaching. I'm throwing him a text. Hey, so-and-so is here today. Don't forget their diagnosis. They have, you know, to pray over so-and-so, you know, whatever. I just think I'm there to remind him of things that he doesn't want to forget. He has it in his phone too, but he doesn't look at his phone <laughs> unless I text him. And then he's like, oh yeah. And I laugh at his jokes. I I'm, I am engaged. I take notes. I'm right there cheering him on by just being present for him. Mm -hmm. He's asked me to do that. Uh, when I go speak, most often I'm home back on Sunday in our home church. When, uh, maybe two or three times a year, I'll say yes to an event that's out of town and far away. So I can't be home on a Sunday. And so I had written how that you don't know what your pastor has asked his wife to do to encourage him. And that's between your pastor and his wife. And you don't need to know, mm -hmm. but just know, trust your shepherd, trust your pastor's wife, that they're serving you from God's wisdom and encourage them in that rather than, you know, gossiping about the pastor's wife, because she's not involved in every single ministry that you're involved in, or you think she should be involved in, let her serve where she's gifted. Uh, there's freedom in that. My church is wonderful about that. And my husband, his first Sunday at this church, 23 years ago, he said, I'm Steve Stoppy and I am your pastor. And I'm here to work myself out of a job. I'm here to train you to do the work of the ministry because that's my job. And my family doesn't work for you. I do. So you don't have the freedom to go to my kids and tell them you don't like what they're wearing or how they're acting. And you can't go to my wife and tell her the same thing. You come to me. And if it's something that I think needs to be addressed with my family, I will address it. That spoke volumes to our children who are now all grown, all serving in various ministries because they knew their, their dad's priority ministry, their mom's priority ministry was their family, their, their marriage and their children. Let that be in your pastor's family also, and then pray for them because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous one accomplishes much. And if Satan cannot attack your pastor and bring him down, he's going to target those darts at his wife and at his children. And you stand in the gap, you intercede for them. Wow. I am so glad that the conversation kind of segued into this because I think it's so important and it just blessed my heart so much. It's so precious, you know, to hear and, and the, the reminder of what God has done to put you both together, one flesh together and in the ministry, because it's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy. And to kind of, I don't know, debunk maybe the way we were raised in different churches or expectations of, of a pastor's wife. She needs to lead the tea. You know, the different things that, that are expectations because some people did it that way or, but it's uh, it's great to hear the heart of a powerful part of your fierce calling, which is to minister to the minister. And yeah. it, it is eye-opening, and I think it's going to really encourage 
listeners right now who are listening to this, who are attending their own church, because I think they can now look at the relationship of their pastor and the pastor's wife with a new perspective and fresh eyes and fresh prayers and to really encourage them in their walk. And maybe their pastor isn't married, but you know, he might be one day. So you can really like relate to that. So I'm so glad that you talked about that because it really has to do a lot with what we have been saying all along. And, um, you know, and sometimes in the roles that we are in that God has appointed us to, there are certain expectations that people put on different things. But it's like you said, it's just to pray and to understand that there are boundaries, which I love that you know, your husband established those right off the bat. And so, mm-hmm. well, thank you. This has been so amazing. I, I love talking with you and so many great things have come out just like, wow, lots of good stuff. So I would love if you would share how the listener can connect with you and find out, you know, where they can purchase these books and, um, and that, and that ebook that you wrote, that's kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great gift yeah. for your pastor's wife. It's called I Sleep with the Pastor, a 52-week devotional for those called to the unique ministry of minister to the minister, because it's a 52 weeks, once a week, getting your heart right before you go shepherd those sheep. Uh, it's a great gift. It's like, I think it's a dollar 99 on Amazon. It's, I just put it in her email, send it to her as a gift. It's really easy to do. It might be more than that. It might be three 99. I don't it's know. Worth it's, it. a, it's cheaper than a cup of coffee. So yeah. it's an easy gift to, and save it for pastor's appreciation. Give it to her in October. You can find all of my books wherever you buy your favorite place to buy books. My website, noregretswoman.com. You can find all my books there and the links. And you can also find for Moms Raising Sons to be Men, I did a video for each chapter. You can click on that book tab and go down and see each video that goes with the chapter for each chapter of Moms Raising Sons to be Men. And also uh, my podcast, Old Ladies Know Stuff, please subscribe, follow me. It's new. It's fun. I only put it out twice a month. And also if you here, let me think if you go to my website, noregretswoman.com and you follow my newsletter, you'll get a free chapter, the best chapter from moms raising sons to be men. It's my, it's the last chapter of the book, my favorite. And also if you text the word, no regrets to five, five, four, 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 get that the word, no regrets, all capital letters to 55444, you'll get a free video of me teaching your marriage can survive toddlers and teens. Wow. That's a lot of value right there. And so I'll make sure to put those in the show notes so the listeners can find you, you know, in case they're driving and they, they didn't get to write it down or something. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, that's really important and wonderful. So I hope to have you on again. This has been really great. So nice. And I'm going to be at the Spark Conference. Are you going to be there? I am. I'm going to be there. I'll see you there. (laughs) We'll chat there. Yeah, that sounds so good. Thank you so much, Rhonda. God bless you and and your ministry and all that you're doing for the kingdom and to minister to women and the hearts of women. So to you as well. Thank you. And I'm so excited about your new book. We didn't even talk about fighting for joy, but that's so important. Yes. Mm -hmm. The enemy is going to try to steal our joy, but he he cannot do that. It's our joy from Jesus. So, so thank you, friend, and we will talk soon. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening today. Wasn't that an amazing show? I love Rhonda's wisdom and the things that she shared with us. I liked how she was talking about when she mentors someone, she gives them an assignment to do. 
because oftentimes when we mentor or counsel, we give some homework assignments, some things to do so that when we get back together, we can go over that. If that person didn't do what they were asked to do, resume again after they have done it. It's really powerful and it is such an important step. So remember that friend, when you are mentoring someone and you are both supposed to read something or do something in between the times you meet, hold the person accountable and allow them to hold you accountable too. I thank you so much for joining us and you can also check out the show notes because there's a link in there, not only to all of Rhonda's places you can connect with her on social media and her website, but also there's a link in her bio Uh, That goes to a YouTube video of when she was on Focus on the Family. So check that out. You will love it. And friend, remember that I would love an opportunity to talk with you about speaking at your next women's event. I'm booking for 2024. So reach out to me at doraswift.com. And I hope you join me next time when I talk with another woman who's taking action where her passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. Until then, friend, have a blessed week. And I'll talk to you soon.